Here's Buddy Franklin knocked away by Morris. Couldn't mark it. Naismith, Kennedy, Hamble out to Buddy. Buddy tackled by Morris. Goal. Dropping the ball. Boyd took the advantage and played on from inside the centre square. Boyd's kicked the goal. Boyd's oh. kicked the goal from inside the centre. Hello and welcome to episode two of the SC Playbook AFL podcast for pre-season 2022. My name is Eddie. Um, As always, I will be your host for today's show, Um, but I couldn't do it without a couple of very special guests. Um, The first one being Nico, coach of Lovsky FC, the uh, overall super coach runner-up last year. How are you going, Nico? Doing well, mate. How are you, Eddie? Yeah, I'm fantastic. Thank you. And we've also got Supercoach ex- expert Dylan, um, who finished top 500 last year and is looking to go a little bit better this year. How are you going, Dylan? Yeah, good. Thanks for having me on, Eddie. Pleasure. Can't wait to chat Supercoach today, boys. Um, lots going on in the Supercoach world, as always. Uh, we were just talking off air, uh, me and Nico, about we've constantly been changing our teams over the last week or so, which can be good or bad, depending how you look at it. Um, but to get started today, I thought we've got such an incredible resource here with Nico that um, we'd be silly not to take advantage of it. And I wanted to do a bit of a 2021 year in review um, with the two of you just to find out what went right, what went, what went wrong, um, and what lessons you learnt out of it. So, Nico, I might throw to you first. Um, obviously, a lot of things worked well for you last year, finishing second overall, but was there one thing in particular, one strategy or one, one 50-50 choice that, that really made the year for you? There was a lot of things that went wrong as, as well, Eddie, so um, I didn't really want to look back into it too much uh, in too much detail because um, there's 45K gone missing with a few bad mistakes. But anyway, we'll, we'll talk about the good stuff first of all. Um, just the, I think I managed just to get my, my team right at the start of the year, so I hit the right rookies. Uh, I think I had the right structure to start the year off, um, especially going heavy in defence with my primos. So started the year with four primos in defence last year. Um, pretty similar situation to what this is going to be like from um, it stands at the moment with um, a lack of rookies back there. So I opted to, to have that extra primo in, in the defence. Um, we'll see if any um, other rookies bob up, but we spoke about the defenders last week and um, there really doesn't seem to be too much at the minute, but hopefully the preseason matches can throw some names up for us. Uh, I stuck to the to the one-up, one-down strategy last year. Um, there was uh, a lot of times where... People were double downgrading, thinking that these um, rookies were must-haves. So I just I stuck to my guns a little bit in that way and just ignored that noise and uh, and stuck to my strategy, just slowly improving my team um, week in week out, getting a rookie off the field, getting you know a, a, a better premium on the field, all that kind of stuff. Um, so look, there wasn't any any magical formula or anything, mate. Um, obviously, a lot of luck uh, as well goes into it. Um, on the poor side of things, my VC picks were a bit ordinary. I, um, I relied heavily on straight-out captains quite a lot. It seemed like every week at, at one point during the middle of the year, I had Bont captain straight out a few times, and, and that worked probably 75%. I think I hit two scores in the 80s or something, so that wasn't great. Uh, just, yeah, adding a lot of pressure on myself watching those games. It was pretty full-on having a straight captain, um, especially when I was on top. So when you say you're up and up and down in terms of rookies and guns, you would go one up, one down every week. What what did you what was your sort of strategy if you couldn't get enough money to get from one to the other, or was it did it always seem to work out for you that you could go one up, one down? Yeah, it always seemed to work out. Um, yeah, I'm not once again probably luck fell into it a little bit, but um, I definitely played 
um, the break evens a lot. So just targeting those guys that uh, were either fallen premiums like Caleb Daniel. Everyone sort of sold him when he had his really poor game, but I waited for that extra couple of weeks to get him in, um, and he turned out to be a great pick for me. And I've picked him up probably around sort of high 300s or 400k or something. So that was good. Um, but I think I just got a bit too cute, really, with um, with some trades. I traded Petrarca during the buy periods, which was a huge mistake. Um, so at that point, he wasn't really using the ball all that well. Uh, and I opted to trade him off to, to Josh Kelly, who had an extra game. And I was thinking total points, extra game, he's cleaner, he's going he's gonna to outscore Petrarca. Um, but that didn't happen. So that was a poor move. One bad move out of many good ones, um, Dylan. Now you you did talk yourself down a little bit before, but you did you did finish from memory somewhere in the three fifties or three sixties. Is that right? Last year? Yeah, I think it was mid to high three hundreds. I can't remember exactly, but it was um, it was okay. And I guess that's sort of where you have to. If you looked at if you look at my season, you go oh, you finished somewhere in the three hundreds. That means there was another three hundred and fifty people that that beat me. So that's not great on face value. But if the goal was to get top thousand, um, then I guess you go a lot went um, a lot went right, so it sort of depends on how you define that, like what worked. Um, so trades throughout the year, I, I picked Dane Zorko up over Steel Sidebottom, and that was very much a fifty fifty at the time. Um, so I got that right, but I also put Shea Bolton in, and he was hopeless, <laughs> like thirties, forties from him at times, and it was I just couldn't get rid of him, so I was stuck with him all year. Um, Yet again, I got screwed over by injury-prone guys. So Lockie Whitfield always seems to miss games. I've temporarily crossed him off this year. Um, Josh Kelly as well. Josh Kelly could score 200 in both practice matches and I still wouldn't touch him. Um, (laughs) I've had enough of him. Um, Yeah, I always seem to be too hesitant to make those trades. So as Nico sort of said, where he goes one up, one down to really improve that on-field scenario, if I had a rookie that I wasn't certain was absolutely cashed out. So if I, I remember there was, um, it might have been James Jordan or someone. One I of was the- going to suggest that. Yeah, yeah, a lot yeah, of people cashed out him. early on him. Yeah. I held him right until I thought, okay, he's definitely not going to hit that break even. So he worked out, um, but there were there were other guys. I think oh, Jacob Kaczynski I might have flicked too late. Like I, I really... I'm probably not as reactive, uh, so proactive as I should be um, in culling those rookies and, and pouncing on those premium selections earlier, um, which is a good and a bad thing. Like if it, I always plan for the worst case, and sometimes that happens, and then you go, "Okay, I'm laughing here." People have donuts or have to field dad rookie scores, and I can I can side swap a primo late in the year, but it also means that your rank is never really um, like I was never. If you look at the the um the history of my rank throughout last year, it was never really in that. That's sort of top echelon as Nico's was, so um, but it was always on a steady incline. So I guess it's just how you want to play the the season. And this year, I think I might um, be a little bit more aggressive with trading. Hopefully, um, that sort of puts me into the top hundred or so. For sure, well, Nico, I'd, it'd be remiss of me not to ask what one decision um, keeps you up at night. Is is there one <laughs> that if it had gone the other way, you'd be you'd be the champion? Is there one, or or do you just let it slide? I've let it slide. Uh, there's no point dwelling on that kind of stuff. But <laughs> Sorry, it, bring it up. <laughs> no, honestly, mate, there'd, there'd be a few. Like, there's there's the Petrarca one I spoke about. Um, if I had a traded Grundy instead of Bont in, if I had got Tukin, I would have won um, at that point in, during, you know, when he had his neck injury. Um, yeah, there's other little silly things. Like, I took Walsh off so I could get Brambles 120 and then Walsh got 150 or 160. So I've lost points there as well. It's just... It's one of those things, mate. You, yeah, it's things are going to happen, but obviously did more good things than I did bad. So, 
For sure. Well, like like you said earlier, I mean, at the end of the day, there is an element of luck involved, which is why we love and hate this game so much. Um, I'll still in- take 120 for Bramble this year and then also. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I, I think that's a no-brainer, but it just didn't work out. In terms of sort of, um, I'll throw this to you first, Dylan, in terms of overall lessons that you that you took out of last year, I mean, it's always good to, to have a sort of, um, to take something out of it, even if you didn't finish in the right spot where you wanted to. Is there something that you're going to take forward for, for this season in terms of your strategy? Um, I th- like everyone says it every year, back your gut, like often there were times I was tossing up a few players and then you, you speak to people, whether it's on Twitter or with mates or whatever, and they sort of go, oh no, this guy will be really good. And you go, oh, you know, maybe they're right. Maybe I should go this person. And then more often than not, it's often your gut that, that ends up being right. Um, so there are a couple of instances, Kelly was the main instance that still burns me to this day, um, where, where I sort of was like, oh, oh I don't know about that, but didn't follow my gut, um, so probably that. It's a pretty basic one. Um, yeah, I think that would be my, my main takeaway. What about you, Nico? Yeah, I love the gut call. I think it's important. It's Yeah, it happens with, with me as well. I think I did trust my myself a lot last year rather than listening to sort of outside opinions too much unless it was something that, you know, clearly took me down another path that, that I wasn't thinking about. Um, but for me, like stick to my rules um, is a big one. Like I have a no key position player rule, but I brought in Tom Hawkins last year um, at his highest point and he burnt me. Um, Probably should have just got danger for that little bit of extra money, even though he was going to drop a bit more. There's probably another move that that I would have won with because I didn't have danger and he was pumping out 160s and I didn't have him on my forward line. So that was was painful watching him go around every week. Um, The other one is never go early with rookies. Um, So make sure you wait until they're on the bubble. I brought in Ned Reeves. He was sitting there not doing much because he got injured in training. Um, and then somehow Segler just started pulling out these these games and um, he lost his spot. Um, that did and, my head in as a whole oh, fan. Sorry to cut you off, Nico, but that was the crazy. most painful thing of the year was seeing Segler play out of his ass for a month and yeah. Reeves on the sidelines. <laughs> it was unbelievable how good he turned into, like with that you know, threat of being dropped or like, you know, just having to earn his place back. He just... Yeah. Painful, so Superman painful. Every week. Yeah. Are there any rules um, that you never trust you've... GWS players? Is, is another one that you know we've sort of already touched on. We have. They've just got fifteen midfielders, and so it's impossible to get that midfield time. Um, Dylan, was there? Is there any sort of rules that you've got um, that you will never break again, or that have come out since last year? Oh, not really. I think Nico touched on the not going early on rookies is a really good one. Um, that sort of thing. Um, there's nothing to. Nothing else I can really add there that, that hasn't been said. So, yeah. Yeah, well, that's a good place to leave that chat. Um, I did want to let uh, the listeners know that um, we do have a premium content side of the SC Playbook package. So for $30, you can sign up for our entire 2022 AFL season or $40 for the full package, which covers AFL, NRL, and BBL. Um, the premium subscription gives you access to extra articles every week of the preseason and inside the season as well. Entry into our exclusive WhatsApp group, which you boys and I are all a part of, as long as all, as well as all of the SC Playbook contributors. Um, and we've also got access to our unlimited group major prize, which I'm going to touch on in a second. Um, we also do have stacks of free content for you as well. If that doesn't quite do it for you, there will be plenty of content on the site coming up this season. Um, the SC Playbook AFL Unlimited group, um, which has been made over the last few days, um, you can join on the Supercoach website. Basically, you get to take on us in 
uh, super coach for season 2022. Um, and there will be prizes for the top ranked coaches to knock us all off, which is exciting. So the major prize, which is the highest ranked subscriber to knock all of uh, the SC Playbook contributors off, will be two tickets for you and a mate to a regular season game of your choice in 2023, food and drinks package and a jersey of choice. Um, and the minor prize will be, which is for the next highest ranked, um, non-subscribers are eligible for this one as well, two tickets for you and a mate to a regular season game of choice in 2023 plus food and drinks package. So that is a pretty little, pretty epic little setup that we've got going here, there. So I think there's about 40-odd people in the group already. Um, we'd love to get that into triple figures by, um, let's give it the end of tomorrow, would be awesome. Um, the code is 210089. That's 210089 to join and that'll be all over the socials as well. Um, you boys are in the the SC Playbook Unlimited group. Have you seen any contenders in there thus far? I haven't really had a look yet, to be honest. <laughs> but um, looking forward to the the competition and um, and the banter that's going to come with it for sure. Should be great. Um, Nico is now, probably pretty obvious. Pretty obvious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the runner, isn't he? <laughs> Hard to beat the uh, second overall from last year. Um, each week of the preseason, boys, I um, throw a little task at you. And this week, we're going to do a little positional analysis of the midfield group going into 2022. Um, so basically, we're just looking for initially just just your strategies and your approaches to, to the midfield so far. So Dylan, how's your midfield shaping up early in terms of um, have you locked in anyone? Um, what's your sort of guns and rookies or mid-price strategy? How's it looking? Yeah, so at the moment, I've got the four premiums and then the rest are, are rookies. So under we'll say under 220 grand for that. I think I've got Charlie Constable who's about 215. Um, at the moment, that's what I've got. But Jared Berry's another one who I'm tempted by. And if um, completely depending on rookie structure, which we'll know more about at the end of the um, the practice matches, if we don't get enough in, in the defensive line or, or in, in the forward line, then I'll potentially downgrade um, someone there. Sorry, if we, if we do get enough rookies, then I'll, I'll afford Barry and downgrade a defender. But if we don't, then I think Barry probably has to miss out. So at the moment, I've got the the guns and rookies approach. Um, some of the locks for me, Jack Steele has to be a has to be a lock. Um, his tackle numbers are, are insane. Uh, he scored in twenty two matches last year. Thirteen were hundreds, um, and eight of those were one hundred and forty plus. So captaincy option each week. Um, Jack McRae is another one, super consistent. I think he had one score under 100 last year, which was a 97 anyway. So um, he's pretty pretty reliable for a 120 plus. So they're, they're two major locks for me. And then Nick Dacos as well um, should get a, a pretty good look in at the pies, whether that's in the midfield or off halfback. I'm, I'm pretty happy to start him at um, a little over 190 grand. Yeah, that's, those three are absolute locks, I think. Um, I'd be surprised if... Um at least 50% plus of coaches don't have those three locked in. Um, Nico, where are you sort of turning your eye at this point? Uh, yeah, tinker, 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 uh, <laughs> as we mentioned. So I've got five primo mids at the moment. Um, mm. The reason for that was um, Darcy's little Achilles um, report during the week and he's got me a little bit scared off in the ruck. So I've chucked Bruce in there and I've got a little bit of extra cash. So hence, hence I've got the five big guys in there at the moment. My... Um, my rule is, um, I think, guns and rookies in the, uh, in the middle. I won't be touching any mid-prices, I don't think, in there. Um, my locks would be McRae, absolutely, first guy picked. He barely fluctuated in price at all last year, and he's locked in for a, a vice-captain or a captain um, at least for the first half of the season, I reckon. Um, yeah, we'll touch on that in the fixture analysis later on, absolutely. but the, the bullies have a very friendly um, opening run when it comes to vice-captaincy stuff. 
Yep, and Jack Steele to go with him, um, who as a as a captain option in case McRae gets a low ton. Um, and Lockie Neal's the other one who's absolutely locked in for me. I think you're getting a, a 700k player for 540. Uh, he looks back to his best. Um, I touched on him last week um, and had him as my Brownlow pick. Um, so I, I think it'd be crazy not to start him um, personally. But yeah, I'm, I'm going with um, with five guns and, and three rookies. But having said that, a huge eye on Dylan Stevens at the moment. Um, if he looks like he he's a must, then I'll probably have to drop one of Tuke Miller or Clayton Oliver. Um, I just wanted to go back to something you said last week, Nico, about how you are interested in the AFL rule changes this season and the the sort of harsher interpretation of holding the ball and that makes tackling more important. Yep. Um, and I wanted to highlight that the Jack Steele earned 34 points um, per game last year in tackles alone, um, which is six more points per game than any of the other top 600k plus midfielders so if you're looking for a tackling beast um you need jack Steele in your side um i for what for the record have uh steel mccray clayton oliver um horn francis and dacos locked in um i can't see myself changing any of those at the moment um oliver's the one that i don't think we have mentioned so far he did go under 105 times last year um but he did have his career high average of 123.5 so I see him continuing to improve. He's right in the prime of his career. And like we say, contested possessions, um, he wins 55% of all of his possessions in a contested fashion, which um, is going to be handy going forward. Um, Now, you're both avoiding... We can touch on the other premiums on offer, um, but I did want to jump around just to the mid-price options really quick. Nico, you mentioned Lockie Neal as one. Um, I agree. He is looking very attractive. Matt Rowe, does he do it for either of you two? Not so much for me. I, I... I do think he's definitely obviously got the potential. Um, I think he scored like 150 in his second AFL game or something crazy like that. So, yeah, I don't know. He just seems a little bit injury prone at the minute. I probably just want to see at least the preseason. Um, if he's tackling um, and doing everything like that, going hard at it, um, maybe he's someone who will move, you know, heaven and earth to get in, but not at this point. Yeah, I'm similar. Thinking along similar lines there as well, Nico. He's um the price is awkward, and we we didn't really see enough from him at the back end of last year when he was was playing to show that he was fully fit. So um he's one I'm happy to wait and wait to see if we get any more info on. Took Miller's one that you mentioned, Nico, that you've got currently. Um, I he scares me a little bit just because I I always am a little bit wary of the the sort of one season wonders. Um, I don't think that's what he is, but there's just enough uncertainty there for me just to pause a little bit. Um, the, the intriguing thing about Miller is that, um, he averaged 135 points in the last eight games of last season, which coincidentally was the games that Hugh Greenwood didn't play. Um, and as we know, Hugh Greenwood is no longer at the sun. So that does make him attractive. You're going to get a high center bounce rate. Um, you're going to get a lot of contested possessions. Um, does the sort of one season wonder thing scare you at all, Nico? It, it does a little bit, um, but I think he's just got the game style um, to continue on where he left off last year. He's endurance, he's tackling. I think he's averaging like seven tackles a game. Um, he's just nonstop. I think he's untaggable. Um, I, yeah, he's been improving every single year. Um, he's gone from 2020 having an average of 105.9 to last year, 124.5. He's on the up. Um, he's pretty young. Yeah, uh, he's the main guy. I just, yeah, I think is a really, really good pick. And there's no rotation risk with him either. Like, we look at Bont, you could go, he's going to spend some time forward. Pachaka as well, time forward. 
Miller's really going to have to take a, a, a pretty big leadership role on in that young son's midfield. And, and as Nico said, I don't think he can beat Tag. Like He's just an endurance beast. He gets to every single contest. Um, yep, yeah, I'm, I'm on board him as well at the moment. Lovely. Um, another one, some late news that we had, I think, late yesterday was Sam Walsh is going to miss the first part of the season with a syndesmosis injury. So scratch him off your list if you did have him. Um, does that make the likes of Chera... Um, does he or Paddy Cripps even do they come into your calculations um, with with Walsh not on the field? Oh, not for me. Hewitt maybe is another one who might benefit. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just not sure about Carlton assets. Um, <laughs> maybe like <laughs> not not so much the mid prices. I've got Kerno in at the moment, um, but yeah, I don't know. More a wait and see for preseason for me. Yeah, I'm firmly in that boat too. Um, are there any of the, the top premiums? Um, we're not going to go have time to go through all of them, but are there any that sort of make you, that you are going to avoid, that there's no way that they'll end up in your team? For me, um, it's the two Bombers boys, Parrish and Zach Merritt. Um, I will not be touching them as much as I love them as a Bomber supporter. They will not be featuring in my team to start with. Um, are there any other ones that you guys have found, Dylan? Um, Tom Mitchell's one I don't have at the moment, um, and that's, Partly because I think there's better options, but also because we don't really know what his role will look like with Sam Mitchell as the new coach. So he very well may start in the guts every game and, and go and average 120 plus this year and um, all's well and good. But he also might have to chop and change a little bit, have reduced minutes, um, purely just because we need to be, as a Hawthorne club, we need to be bloody youth. So whether that's more time into Warpool, John Newcomb, Josh Ward, these sorts of guys, um, I, I wonder, I just wonder if perhaps Tom Mitchell has to do something else at different stages throughout the season to, to try and pump some time into some of those young guys. So Mitchell's one I don't have at the moment, but he's not necessarily a, a bad pick. I just think there's more that could go wrong with him than perhaps some of the other big guys. Yep, 100% agree. Um, I don't have either of the guys you mentioned, so Parrish scares me. Um, I don't think he can break a tag yet. Um, he'll, yeah, if you look at the fixtures and he's got a, a run, you know, of playing against teams that don't tag, then then you might be a good option. But I think you'll, you'll be able to get him cheaper at some point um, because he'll throw in a, a low score somewhere. I agree the sentiments on on Sam Mit- on Mitchell and, and the new coach. Just a few question marks that you know that need to be sort of answered there. And Bont is another one who I'm sort of staying clear of. Um, yeah, he'll have some price flux as well. He'll he'll throw in a bad game. Yeah, I think the, the the thing that worries me about Bond is how much he relies on um, pushing forward and actually kicking goals when he goes forward, um, which, as we know, is quite a fickle beast. Um, so that worries me about him. Um, the, there is some chatter around us or that he may at some point become eligible for forward um, status, which would be a massive boon um, to the forward primos. I personally don't see him spending 40% of time forward, but that seems to be that seems yeah. to be out in the ether. A little bit um, of a pipe dream, I reckon, that one, Eddie. But yeah, <laughs> I, I thought I'd throw it out there. I don't personally think it'll happen. Um, Just want to mention as well, I don't, I don't think I want to have too many eggs in my basket, so too many... Um, players from the same team as well. You just don't know with COVID what's going to happen. I've already got Dunkley and uh, and McRae in the middle. It's probably enough dogs for me. Very true. Um, in terms of other mid-price options, um, I'll run through a couple of these really quickly. Dylan Shield was getting a bit of buzz. Um, he did look great up until um, about two days ago when he limped off the track as usual. Um, so I won't be going near him and I'd be surprised if you guys are. Um, are there any other mid-prices that, that do sort of um, catch your eye? Um, and is there anyone that... Could could squeeze their way into your team for round one. Jared Berry was the is the main guy for me that I'm sort of looking at. He's not there at the moment just from a structure perspective, but 
So he last year was plagued with concussion, groin, calf issues, the whole works, and it didn't really get a, a great run at it. But the two years before that, so 2020, he averaged 97 and looked like he was on the verge of a breakout. 2019 was 84 and 2018 was 80. So he's, I think you can pretty safely lock him in for, for 80, 80 plus, 80, sorry, 80, 85 plus. Um, it's just whether he fits in into your... Just structure. Um, but he's one that I've certainly got a, a keen eye on. Charlie Constable's another one. Um, Hugh Greenwood's gone. Constable's he, he was brought up there um, for a reason, and I, I think he'll get a, he'll get a crack um, early doors for the Suns in that midfield unit. We've seen he's a he's a pretty reasonable scorer as well when he can get um, on the park. So he's one I've got an eye on um, too. Yep, Jared Berry's a good one. Um, Dan Hanabry, I've seen floated about. I wouldn't go near him. Nah, no He'd way. be lucky to get a couple of games strung together there, uh, probably at 50% time on ground. <laughs> um, he does score well. I'll give him that. Um, yeah, Tom, other than Tom that, Green and Harry Schonberg, a couple I've seen floated. Um, Jai Caldwell as well. Um, I think, personally, I think you guys um, are on the right track in that there's just too much certainty at the, the gun end of the scale uh, with the midfielders and they're looks to be a lot of uh, rookie options as well. So it doesn't yeah. seem to be the right position to go for the mid-price stuff. But Maybe um, maybe Lipinski, if his role, if he's playing predominantly mid, is he's 359K, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I think, I think it's just too risky, but some people love taking the risks. And um, as we touched on last week, it does tend to reward you highly if you can get the right ones. Um, we'll have a look at the mids now, uh, the rookies now as well. We actually have a great piece put up on... Um, the SC Playbook website by Charlie Dads, who has run through each and every option there. So we might not need to spend too much time on these. Um, I did want to chuck a couple of names at you. We've both mentioned Nick Dacos, and um, I'd be surprised if he's not one of the most top-picked players in Supercoach this season, along with um, Jason Horn francis um, I'll be starting with both of them. Do you guys, will you guys as well? Yep, locked in. Yep, yeah, for me as well. I know Horn francis has been touted to play a little bit on the half-forward line potentially, but... That doesn't phase me too much. Um, I think he'll still be a pretty decent scorer. So they're both locked in for me too. Um, some other options that people seem to be finding very popular at the moment. Greg Clark from West Coast, who's a mature age pickup, which, as we know, are, are generally like gold in the in the supercoach realm, especially when they're in the midfield. Um, Elijah Hollands um, is getting some buzz. He might be better as a forward. Um, yeah, Erasmus, Ben Hobbs, Connor McDonald. There are going to be there are going to be a lot of rookie options to choose from in the mids. Um, is there anyone particular that you guys like, Nico? Is there anyone that you you mentioned Dylan Stevens before? Is there another one that um, that really catches your eye? Yeah, I, I took him out just recently. So yeah, I'm really keen to watch him and, and what role he's got. Ward from um, the Hawks, we've touched on. He's in. Um, I don't know how to pronounce this this guy from the Gold Coast, but he. Um, Tsitsas uh, or something like that. He just um, he's 102k mid. Um, looks like he's going to get a chance um, early days. So he's um, he's won the last spot on Gold Coast list. Um, so yeah, he'd be one to to put in there. Um, maybe Mead from Port. Um, getting a lot of buzz. Yeah, we just we really it's it's too it's too hard. You need to see where they're playing in preseason games, um, and you need to really. Um, get that eye test um, as well to really sort of back in these rookies. But I think we're probably just going to keep them as placeholders more than anything at the moment. Mm. Campbell Chess is another name I might throw out there at West Coast. Um, you'd probably pick him as a defender if he is named, given there seems to be less defensive options out there for us. Um, but he's another one probably worth throwing out there. Charlie Parker as well from the Dogs. You like him, don't you, Eddie? 
I love Charlie Parker. Um, played a bit of footy with him back in Adelaide. Um, he's a great fella. Um, hopefully going to get a run early doors, but we'll see. He's a bargain basement forward option. Great long kick. There, it can run all day. Um, so, yeah, keep your eyes on that. Good stuff. Um, well, that might just about do us for the mids. Um, I did want to jump on to the Top Sport markets. Um, so if you like a punt, check out topsport.com.au, home of the best same-game multi in the business where the odds actually add up. Um, and as you boys know, we'll be previewing a couple of their markets throughout the season. Use the code SC Playbook if you're linking up your account so they know that we sent you. Um, it helps out the podcast no end. Um, 18 plus only, gamble responsibly. So again, I've set you guys a little bit of a task. Um, I want to know if there is any markets out there um, for the futures, so stuff like make the top eight, brown load votes, whatever you want, um, is there anything that catches your eye, Dylan? Yeah, for me, West Coast to miss the top eight, um, $1.65. So they've been pretty good for a long time, but they're sort of aging a little bit. Um, Elliot Yo, Josh Kennedy, these sorts of guys that seem to be pretty injury prone, but their forward line has been totally decimated this preseason. So Oscar Allen's out with an injury at the moment, Jamie Cripps as well. Jack Darling with his vaccination status, who knows what will happen there. Um, $1.65, I think, is a pretty handy price um, for them to miss the top eight. I think it's just come out um, about a couple of hours ago that Jack Darling um, is, yeah, looking pretty unlikely to start the season. So um, I don't mind that call. And um, as a uh, long-term West Coast hater, that sounds pretty good to me <laughs> for them to miss the eight. Um, Nico, what's, uh, what's got your eye? Yeah, I'll back that one in too. I like that. Um, just want to pump up my tyres from last week's one if I can. Lockie Neal's 12 into 10, I noticed on the Brownlow markets. Very oh, nice. Multi-filler for me is Port at $2.10 to be top four again this year. So I just think there's a lot of improvement to come from the likes of Butters and Rosie, especially pushing through the middle. Um, they've got obviously a lot of home games. Um you know, the, the crowd right behind them there, they're going to win the majority of those home games. They'll sneak a few away games, like against Collingwood, like they always do at the G. <laughs> um, I just feel like, yeah, Port at $2.10, I think, is a little bit of overs. I like that as well. Um, my punt of the week is Fremantle at $3.25 to make the top eight. Um, I really like the Dockers team that they're building. They just missed out last year. Uh, my bombers just picked them out. Um, I think they've got they'll have another year into the likes of Sarong, Brayshaw, Darcy, Brennan Cox down back. Um, I really like their side, and I think three dollars twenty five is great value for a team that will be around the mark. Um, it just depends whether the other teams around them improve as well. Mm, not a bad shout. Just a, bit of a query, just a query around sort of what it's going to be like with the WA border and that kind of thing with hubs and all that kind of stuff. Could get a bit messy. Very true. Um, so we're going to move on to a bit of a uh, look at the fixture. Um, there is a little write-up on SC Playbook by yours truly about the fixture and what it can sort of mean for your super coach. But I wanted to get um, your thoughts, Nico. Do you take much any note of, of what the fixture is? Um, do you look at a, a, who are players playing in their next five games or do you do, you do much buy planning? Um, yeah, what's your sort of goal with the, the fixture? I do in FPL. Uh, not so much <laughs> in, uh, in super coach AFL. Yeah, I haven't historically. So... I do for my buy planning. I think that's important. Um, but for, yeah, for the first sort of, you know, half of the year, I tend to try and pick guys that are fixture proof anyway. So it's sort of, yeah, it hasn't really been important um, to me. It might be good to look at sort of, you know, if teams are tagging. Um, and if you want to, if you're, you know, choosing between two primos, that might, you know, factor in on your decision. Um, so which way you sort of lean to. Um, but your in-depth analysis, Eddie, really opened sort of my eyes up um, 
you know, it's available on the website and the socials. It's a really, really good analysis about the fixtures. It, it definitely opened my eyes up a little bit more to it. How about you, Dylan? Did, does it go? Does any of your planning go towards looking at the fixture? Um, a, a little bit, as you said. Sometimes there's like a bit of a tiebreaker from tossing up two two players. Um, often, rather than looking at okay, these players play North this week, it'll be more okay. What's Tom Mitchell's record against his next three opponents? So I'll sort of look at it on an individual player for their opponents basis, rather than as a general sort of fixture. Um, sort of thing. Definitely, they look at it for vice captain and captain stuff. Um, whether that's again, if it's a, a player who has a really good record against a team, or if it's a team that leaks points. Um, but also the rucks. Usually, um, usually, as, as Nico said, I don't mind elsewhere around the ground. But uh, this is Max Gorn's run to start the season. So he gets Tim English against the Dogs round one, Jared Witts round two, Sam Draper round three, Scott Lysett round four. Um, Proust or Flynn round five, Nankervis round six, and Ben McAvoy round seven. That's a pretty soft soft start for him, which I think it could go one of two ways. And on one hand, you go, he should beat up on most of those guys. Flip side might be they give Luke Jackson more minutes. Um, yeah. But for me, that that was enough to go, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm happy enough picking Gorn to start with over, um, say, an injury-prone Sean Darcy. So it sort of factors in, fixes a little bit, but... Yeah, for the most part, as Nick said, it's not like FPL where it's a really um, fixture-based game um, per se. It's a little bit more of, a, of an afterthought for me. It's actually oh. interesting that you bring up the Rucks. One of the things that stood out to me was um, the fact that this St. Kilda play Hawthorne and Gold Coast in, in two of their first five games, um, which are the two easiest teams for Ruckman to play against in the league, um, which did sort of um, make me think about Rowan Marshall a little bit. Um, I agree that in general, I think you can almost put too much effort into into looking into this sort of stuff, and it can cloud your judgment a little bit. Nico, when you when you made your run last year, were you looking at stuff like what who a player's next five opponents are and what their averages are against them? No, not so much. It was more so just looking at are there any taggers coming up that might influence my VC um, and C options. Um, other than that, not so much. No. There's a really um, good, sorry to cut you off, but there's a really good resource out there as well that I suspect you, you drew upon similar data um, with, with your article, which is awesome that we've, we've got up on the website. Um, it's called Daily Fantasy Rankings, and that actually breaks it down per position and per, um, I guess, your, your premiums and your rookies as well. So it will give um, teams record like midfielders, top three midfielders for Hawthorne against an opposition sort of thing. So it will and then bottom three as well, which you guess your your rookies. Um so that can sort of help too if you if you're tossing up a a fifty fifty rookie, whether you field them or not, um as well. Yeah, and I think Nico, you also touched on the vice captain thing, which is yeah. um, important, and that's something Very. that that was um, that did jump out from the fixture is that the the Bulldogs have six of their first nine games falling on or before Friday night, um, including the season opener on a Wednesday against the Demons. Um, so that makes yeah, the Bulldogs guys, you just have to have a couple of them basically because uh, they get, that gives you such an advantage being able to see that score um, and decide what to do as a result of it. Uh, do, do, does that mean that you're more willing to have more Bulldogs in your side, Nico? Just makes McRae more of a lock. Yeah, absolutely. Um, having said that, you're going to have to need a loophole player in order to take his VC score as well. So that's something else to think about. So you don't want to have your VC on him and he, and he scores a 150 and then you've got a whole team of you know players playing and then you can't take it. So yeah, it's something to think about there. Um, it also 
looking at the fixture, um, locks in steel as well because um, from what I looked at, they, they've got a lot of later games um, to start the year as well. So here's your backup option in case McRae, yeah, gets a low ton. Um, that's a good point about the yeah needing that loophole player that isn't playing. Do you, do you do you sack if the if let's say in a perfect world we've got we've got nine rookies to choose from um, or heaps of rookies to choose from and you can fill one in each line. Do you intentionally pick someone who's not playing? It's um I reckon that's a fifty fifty call. I think in the community it's a little bit yeah you're either one way or the other. I did it last year. I had um I had a Gold Coast guy in defence. Um, I forgot his name. But yeah, he was just a donut for the whole year. Um, so yeah, look, it look, you know, it, it didn't hold me back last year. Um, I'm neither. Look, I I like the two shots at the, at the VC and C, so I lean towards having having a loophole player. Yeah, yeah, I'm Dylan? I'm in this in in the same position as Nico as well. I've always been talking. It's usually R three. Um, you can usually pick up a 102k player there. Um, there are a few rookie options. For that, I know Charlie Combin's one that's been floated. Um, Jack Hayes, if he gets picked up by St Kilda officially. Sam Hayes as well at Port, potentially. Um, so if one of them really look like they the have to be picked, then I might look at a D8 or an F8 loop um, to begin with. But usually, yeah, I, I make it a priority to have at least one because there's nothing worse than if you have a, a guy um, totally bomb out as a captain. Just before we get into the buys, um, I did want to highlight one other thing that I found really interesting was that um, the Dons, my team, start off with the Cats, Lions and Demons in their first three rounds, which is a horrible super coach fixture. Those teams are some of the hardest to score against in the league. Um, the next three, though, is the Crows, Frio and Collingwood, who are three of the easiest teams to score on in super coach. So that would be a good time potentially to catch a falling knife like a Darcy Parrish or a Zach Merritt um, or even take a flyer on pick up Jordan Ridley at that point. So that's one to keep an eye on. Um, the most important side of the fixture for me is always the buys and what you decide to do around the buys. Nico, did you do much pre-planning last year for the buy rounds? I did. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's a vital um, thing to do um, if you take this game seriously. Um, so I like to um, go into it with limited um, premiums in, in round 12 and then have a slightly... Um, a larger number in in round 13 and then higher again in round 14 so that's generally how i roll with it so if you're starting 12 primos like a two four six kind of scenario um but yeah i think it's really important just to make sure that your team is structured well um it's balanced um and that you know you're not going to get any surprises come by rounds dylan how about you um yeah it certainly does a little bit, um, like just being mindful that I'm not overloading one round with players that are, that are going to miss that one round. I don't think I I do it as um, – I don't think I make a point of it as, as much as Nico perhaps might. I think it's more in-season when I'm trading looking at, okay, so it's round 12. I'm going to wait a week and then get the players that have just missed in round 12 in in rounds 13 and 14, so you maximise those total points. Um, I think it can also – sometimes you can be – too sucked into the buy buy stuff, and that's what happened with me and, and Shea Bolton, Shai Bolton, whatever his name is, last year. Um, I thought, oh, you know, he's a he's a pretty good pick, and he fits the buy structure, and it was just a a total total mess in the end. Um, All our structures went were a mess anyway when they moved the Richmond game. So yeah, that's it. There's always curveballs and whatnot. Um, certainly, as well, when you look at the structures, only look at the at the premium. So. 
it's easy on the on the Supercoach website to go playing round 13, 14 and, and 12 or whatever the weeks after the buyers this year. Don't worry about the rookies because they'll, they'll probably be in and out um, anyway, decide by then. So purely focus on the um, the premium options. I think the key um, thing to note out of the buyers this year is the round 14 buyer has um, both Collingwood and Melbourne uh, playing in it, which means that Brody Grundy, Max Gorn, and sorry, also Frio are playing yeah, as well. Yeah. So Gorn, Grundy, and Darcy are playing in that round 14 buyer, which means you're either going to have to get very creative with your DPP R3, having someone who can swap up from the forward line perhaps. Um, otherwise, you're just going to need to need to go with one of the other, Grundy and Gorn. Or Nico, are you just going to ignore that entirely? Yeah, yeah, I probably will just ignore it. Um, yeah, I, I might even have Pruce in potentially, who's around twelve by, um, who might be ready then to, you know, to upgrade after you know those kind of guys play. But yeah, look, it look, it's a tricky one. But yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry too much about your ruck line. Yeah, I think those those guys are probably going to finish one, two, three. So come the end of the season. Dylan, what are you thinking in terms of your rucks at this point? Yeah, I think, as you said, everyone will be in the same position. So you'd think a, a, a really high percentage of people have a combination of Gorn, Grundy, Darcy, um, throwing Proust as well. I, I don't think you'll get too many that, that steer away from that. Um, I know Rowan Marshall's sort of been floated a little bit, but... Maybe Nick Nat. Yeah, maybe Nick Nat. Um, yeah, I think a lot of people. It's not like the the, the forwards defence in the midfield where there's a lot to sort of a lot of factors that, that can um, come into it. It's a little bit less um, less fluid, I guess, in the ruck line. There is one more thing before we wrap up that I wanted to throw at you boys, and um, uh, I haven't given you any prep for this, so we'll see how we go. But um, one thing I think we all try and be is very impartial when it comes to Supercoach. But I personally find myself. Um, Super excited for seeing some of how the the young Bombers boys go um, in season 2022. So I wanted to throw it to you guys and see, Nico, who are you most excited to watch from a super coach perspective from the Pies this year? Is there anyone? Um, and you can't say Nick Dacos. I was going <laughs> to say Nick Dacos. Um, uh, all right. So, <laughs> well, I think Grundy's going to go back to his best, um, which that's a bit boring as well, but... Um, yeah, I think that neck injury just really threw him off a little bit um, last year, especially when he returned. He didn't just look as as committed to the contest or that interested. It looks like you know he's got that back, but I guess maybe the other one's Jordy Degoe. See if he can really kick on um, from his midfield um, time last year. If if that improves, um, he's got the right game to to score well. He's shown it. Um, he's a bit of a nut um, off the field, so he needs to he needs to sort. You need to sort all that out. Um, yeah, but, um, yeah, maybe Geordie Degoe for me. Uh, and what about you, Dylan? Have you got anyone you uh, got your eyes on at the Hawks? Sisley is probably the obvious one, whether or not he can actually be as as, as relevant um, as as he has been in the past. Um, there's, a, there's a bit of a logjam at halfback for Hawthorne, so I'm not sure what his role – he'll have that intercept role, but whether or not he gets the same usage as he has pre-injury um, sort of remains to be seen. Um, he's won. The rookies, obviously, Josh Ward's been floated. Finn McGuinness, Tom Mitchell said uh, in the last week that he expects McGuinness to break out. There's only so many roles, like there's only so many guys that will get in, um, whether it's McGuinness, Ward, Connor McDonald, um, or your, your, I guess the guys that have had a crack, so Daniel Howe, Harry Morrison, these sorts of guys. Um, yeah, interesting to just see 
um, how that goes as a whole. Max Lynch, steer clear of him. I don't think he'll be there round one. Um, he's in that similar 200k uh, slot as as Proust. Don't don't pick Lynch. It sounds like Reeves will get first crack. From a non-supercoach perspective, I reckon Mitch Lewis is going to have a massive year. Um, he kicked eight in intra-club um, last week, but if you look at his stats at the back end of the of 2021, I think in the last 12 games or so he played, um, kicked a goal in every game, which isn't – they're not massive bags, but for a, for a young forward who hasn't really done a lot yet, positive signs um, moving forward. So hopefully he can, he can um, excel as a key forward this year for us. Um, and for the record, I think Jordan Ridley makes the leap to be just a premium super coach defender this year for the Bombers. Um, and I love Hobbs through the midfield. Every sign is that he's going to be a serious player. So whether he can break into the side early or whether he's a handy little downgrade target, um, that could be a good one too. Thanks for your time today, boys. Really appreciate it. Um, we'll be back same place, same time next week.